Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Later in the program, Farmer's Attitude Survey published, plus several farm walks announced, and the ICSA attitude towards the recent Beef Vision Group discussions. First, Cork Ploughing Results by Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. First of all, Caroline, welcome to the programme. Now, I understand you've got a report from the 2022 National Ploughing Championships. Thank you, John. Um, results are as follows. On Monday, saw the first day of the, of the test match going ahead on stubble ground. There were two competitors in the senior conventional, Kieran Coakley and Jim Grace who both qualified to go forward to day two. While in the senior reversible class, Ger Coakley and Limo Driscoll represented Cork West. Both qualified for day two of their test match. Also on Monday, the under-21 conventional was held with Jeff Witcherly being placed second in his class. Tuesday's classes saw day two of the test match being ploughed on lay ground, with Ger Coakley being placed second over the two days in the senior reversible class. In the under-28 conventional, James O'Sullivan was placed third. In the under-28 reversible, Conor O'Farrell was placed second and Flora Witchley third. In the intermediate class, Michael Witchley received first placing. Wednesday saw Ellen Nine, our farmerette, ploughing and she was, all, she was placed second. On Thursday, Tim Lawler in the standard three-furrow reversible was placed second with Gordon Jennings ploughing in the vintage single furrow, also being placed second. Katie Hayes ploughed in the Davos conventional and came top of her class, obtaining a first placement. And finally, we had one person in the loy, and that was Adrian Grace, who was placed third. The Cork West ploughing season will be starting on the 30th of October, weather permitting. The first match will be hosted by Clannacilty on the lands of the Toomey family, Lissalan. Thank you very much indeed for, of course, the most important results, the, the local results, and our yes. congratulations to all those people in Cork West Ploughing Association, all those members who uh, did well. And, of course, thank you very much indeed, Caroline, for keeping us in touch and giving us an update as we speak here. Thank you very much indeed, Caroline. Miss Caroline Jennings, PRO for the Cork West Ploughing Association. Thanks very much indeed, Caroline. Thank you, John. We are joined on the Dairy Gold uh, Farm Talk programme by Mr. Philip Cotter, a PRO for the Cork East Ploughing Association. Philip, welcome to the programme. Now from the National Ploughing Championships 2022, you have some winners for us and a report, Philip. Thanks very much, John. Back again. This is um, our report from the national finals 
And Monday, we had Jim Barris, second in the three-footed class. Wednesday, Billy Mulcahy, first in the mockery class. And uh, J.J. Delaney, third in the senior half class. Thursday, Trevor Slimming, third in the single forward class. Now, we had a lot of, we had some other contestants on the, uh, the same days, but they didn't get into the first three, but they gave a good account of themselves. And uh, that look wasn't on their side in this particular occasion. So that's the way it goes. But overall, a very successful event. And uh, the weather was very kind, except for this morning. And then afternoon, it cleared up. So I think everybody was happy enough that they didn't get too wet. But as far as Corky's is concerned, those are our results, John. And thank you very much. We'll be in contact again. So thank you very much indeed, Mr. Philip Cotter, PRO for the Cork East Supplying Association. Thanks, John. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Edmund Graham, ICSA, Irish Cattle and Chief Farmers Association, National Beef Committee Chairperson. First of all, Edmund, welcome to the programme. Your reaction to the matters which came up for discussion at the Back Western meeting? Yes, thank you for having me on the show. Um, yes, that's right, we have been in the Food Vision uh, talks, and I suppose our main concern is for farmers, like we've been maybe asked to do all these actions now to meet the 25% target, but the farms have to stay viable. We can't put ourselves out of business. And we were calling on the Department of Agriculture to do impact assessments on different sectors and different items regarding um, all these targets we have to meet and things that are going to be implemented. And you know, we have to stay in business and we need these impact assessments to see how much does it affect farmers um, to do that. So that is our main issue with the food vision at the minute, to get these impact assessments done and see are these measures going to come at a, a huge cost to farmers. And if they are, like, you know, there has to be measures put in place where farmers are going to be supported to carry out these measures. Farmers aren't against uh, these measures. Like, we're open to change. We'll do what we can do, uh, and hopefully we can meet some of the targets. I'm not going to say we'll meet all our targets, but we, we will be fit to meet some of them and uh, some of the things. So that's why we need to have a look at the whole thing and make sure that farmers are going to be supported properly to make the change. Part of your statement issued after the Back Western meeting that a voluntary scheme be introduced for earlier finishing of cattle. A scheme should cover young bull production and finishing steers and heifers in the 24-month to 28-month range. So that's very important there, and the word being, you know, voluntary as opposed to compulsory. Well, this is it. It's very hard to make everything compulsory, and if it was made compulsory... like everybody would have to do the same thing and then that potentially could affect the market if you think of all the animals coming from the dairy herd being born February, March time predominantly, the majority of the animals are uh, born February, March so for them coming 24 25 months it's all going to happen at the same time uh, coming out of sheds in the winter so that would have huge implications if that happened uh, if it was mandatory. So we'll have to make the schemes voluntary and hopefully the farmers will take it on. If there's incentives there, yes, we will. And it has to be across all categories of stock. We just can't say steers. We need bull beef production, 
deer beef and heifer beef uh, uh, included in that uh, voluntary scheme. So that's the way ICSA is calling on that, uh, and hopefully it will be workable. Uh, and we will we'll meet our targets. We'll get a reduction in the overall age of animals uh, for slaughter. And ICSA want genotyping of all calves from the dairy herd who are destined for beef systems in Ireland. So very important there, ICSA demand for genotyping of calves. Yes, once again, that would, uh, maybe will become uh, an issue. So we're hoping it will be. Uh, the genotyping would identify the animals that would be suitable for um, finishing earlier, maybe. The one with better, shall we say, beef traits and would be more efficient animals, uh, more efficient growth rates, etc. Et so we need to know that. And then in turn, the beef farmers would be happier to work with those type of animals to bring them on at a younger age. And of course, the ill will caused by factory price cuts. You would like to see recent factory price cuts actually reversed, building on a solid developing relationship with the factories, with the processors. Well, this is it. We're hearing from the Meat Industry Ireland and the factories that they're saying their customers are very aware of climate change issues and that they need to uh, be careful about what they're selling and... Uh, you know, that's important. So we're asking the factories, if they're serious about what they're saying, um, we have to be paid for our product. And coming along, pulling beef prices now, uh, it's not doesn't give farmers any encouragement to, to, to meet these targets and meet these measures. Um, it's probably going to cost more money to feed a young an animal younger. It's going to have to be pushed that wee bit harder. Um We've seen costs now for finishing animal, depending on the system you're at, it's, it's risen anywhere from 200 to 500 euros. But yet if we finish a carcass earlier, it's going to be finished at a younger age. So potentially that carcass could come into 100, 150 euros less. So we don't really need factories now uh, pulling prices. We need them to keep the prices up and start supporting us. And live weighing of cattle in factories. Factories are being called on by your organisation, the ICSA factories, to fulfil their commitment to the live weighing of cattle and sharing that information with their suppliers. That's right. That was one thing that was uh, brought to the fore by ICSA at the Beef Task Force, uh, or even before it, uh, that it would give an overall picture of animals through their lifetime, how they were performing, and it's something that needs to be brought in now and we will get the feedback from the factory then on the efficiency of our animals if uh, live weighing could be brought in in the meat factories. And the fat score, uh, a commitment's being sought to review the pricing on certain fat scores or on the fat score. Yeah, that's right too. At present time, um, to meet the criteria in the factories, um, we need a certain level of, of fat score on the animal and grade. So we are saying if animals have to be finished at a younger age now and a lighter weight, it might be harder to achieve the desired animal that the factories are looking. So we would call that 
Um, for those animals that maybe would fall into a two-week category, um, maybe the factories would look into that or the meat industry Ireland would look into that and uh, they might um, include those in the bonus schemes. Again, it's not specifically highlighted in your response to Backwestern, but of course, always there in the background is the perception that the fifth quarter, the fifth quarter is not fully acknowledged by the factories. They say it's included or it is taken into account, but often beef producers, people, livestock people feel the fifth quarter, they can't see clearly exactly what they're being paid for it. No, we don't know, as you say, the factories tell us, yes, they have it factored into the overall price, but we've never heard tell how they factor it into it, uh, so we don't know, but what we do know is AFL has become, uh, especially over the last couple of years now, it has become very valuable, and uh, everything can be sold on an animal now, there's, n- there's n- no such thing as waste, and everything has a value from the carcass to the liver, the lungs, the tongue, everything. And uh, farmers are, I think we should be getting um, a payment towards that, that specifically for the apple. And in those faraway markets in Asia, for example, it's being shown that low-weight um, items like a tongue, a cattle tongue, that is uh, of great importance in the Japanese market, which I understand we're trying to develop, and that's a low-weight but extremely important part of the fifth quarter that the Japanese market is showing an increasing appreciation for. Yes, it's a niche market, and... Uh... That's what I say, like, you know, surely it's part of the animal character. Surely we should be rewarded for that as well, not just the the meat on the carcass. Um, you know, it's part of the animal. So, as I say, we should be getting some kind of a payment on um, all the offers. And speaking to Mr. Edmund Graham, Edmund, we've frequently over the years spoken about uh, solar panels on farms, on the rooftops of sheds, etc., as well as houses. But electricity generation from solar panels, as things stand, speaking before the budget, we don't know if that will be you know, allowed to be included in the 25% emission reduction target. But for farmers who have solar panels in operation on their farm roofs, sheds or houses, they must still be very aggrieved that that can't be included in their 25% emission target and it's gone to someone else. Yes, that's right. Um, it's something we have fought for and we would love to see it being included, that farmers could put up solar panels on their lands, on their sheds, and feed it back into the grid and get a payment. Um, but under these climate uh, measures, we can't do that. Um if we produce electricity, it's energy, so those uh, credits go to the energy sector, they don't go to the agricultural sector. So even though it's produced within the farm gate, uh, it won't be allowed to be counted in our calculation. So farmers are annoyed that that's, that has happened and that we can't be given those credits members of the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, you're saying we must remain vigilant. There'll be no compulsory enforced cuts to the suckler herd. We don't want any compulsory cuts. I'd say it's a case of um, ICSA don't want to see rural Ireland being sold out 
Uh, Suffolk has been the backbone of rural Ireland for a lot of years now, and it's the only type of farming maybe that can be carried out on a lot of the marginal land west of Ireland and other areas. So that should be continued at a certain level, and uh, we don't want to see any cuts. Like to, to cut la- cattle off some of the land it could be even more damaging for them to become overgrown and things like that. So we need a certain level of stock and we don't want to see any compulsory uh, reduction of the suckler herd. Edmund, you're at the ploughing at the moment. So overall, has it been a good couple of days? I think it's been a a very good ploughing match uh, after the absence of the ploughing for a couple of years. I think farmers have been delighted to get out and, you know, talk to different people in different counties and meet up and discuss things. So it, it has been fairly positive, I suppose. The couple of issues are all these climate change measures that are coming in now and what we're going to have to do to meet the targets would be the biggest issue. And our second issue would be our input costs now, the cost of our energy, the cost of our fertilizer, all those overheads are worrying farmers. Positive at the end of the day, yes. But thank you very much indeed, Mr. Edmund Graham, ICSA National Beef Chair. Thank you very much. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr. Anthony Deneen, Dry Stock Advisor with the McCroom Office of Chagask in the west of the county. First of all, Anthony, welcome to the programme. There are some important farm walks and events coming up shortly. Firstly, our sponsor, Dairy Gold, have some walks and events. Could you please outline these for our listeners? Chagask and the Dairy Gold Joint Programme are running three farm events on, on signpost farms there in the coming week discussing farm performance and autumn grassland management and herd health. And your speakers there from Dairy Gold going through dry cold mineral feeding uh, and also addressing questions to do with um, silage analysis. Very important this time of the year. There'll be months of bovine we'll discussing as well, winter dosing and vaccinations. And Chambers will discuss the drying off of cows this, this coming winter. So, look, the first event is on there in Ray, at, at Raymond Goggin, um, Timper Martin Bandon. And that's on Wednesday, the 28th of September. There's an air code there, John, on P72DF10. And that's on at 11 o'clock. So that's the first one. The second one is on Thursday, the 29th of September. And that's on the farm of Joe Morrissey in Rostellan, Middleton. There's an air code there of P25Y314. And that's again on at 11 o'clock. Uh, 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 on Thursday, the 29th of September. And lastly, there's one on Friday, the 30th, in Timor Reardon, more Navi Mallow, airport P51Y8D5, and that's on at 11 o'clock, Friday, the 30th, at Timor Reardon, more Navi. That's grand. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Anthony Deneen, Chagask Dry Stock Advisor with the McCroom Office of Chagask in the west of the county. Carberry, Drina and Chagask have important walks coming up. Can you give our listeners some details, Anthony? Yeah, that's what's looked as a, a walk coming up, a farm walk, an autumn walk coming up there in Sam Kingston's in Drummer League. Um, that's Friday the 30th of September, and that's at 11 o'clock. And look, on, on, on that morning, there'll be topics discussed like autumn grass management and winter feed budgets, uh, feeding the cows until drying them off, uh, and I suppose the sowing and management of clover very important now, and I suppose improving water quality. So that's that's a walk that's on between Chalice, Carberry, and Drina and Sam Kingston's Drummer League, Friday the 30th at 11 o'clock. And there's a near code there, John, on P81HD70.
Nationally, there's a beef organic walk shortly in Golden, County Tipperary. Can you outline what this national event uh, actually entails? Yeah, so look, this, this open day, this national beef, uh, national beef organic open day is on, and it's aimed at providing the, the best practice for existing organic farmers and also aimed at providing an insight into organic farming methods for those farmers that are contemplating going into organics at the moment. There's a lot of that at, at the moment and topics that will be discussed on the day as so we'll be going through um, John Purcell's uh, beef production system, going through uh, organic markets and financial supports, uh, clover, how to manage clover, site health buildings, a big lineup of, of topics there. And so, oh, there'll be many of the stakeholders will be there on that day, including the certification bodies, education, retail, um, and it will provide a one-stop shop for us for farmers and to cover all aspects of organic farming. So that farm work will be organised between Chagas, Borby, and the Department of Agriculture, and that's on in John Purcell's Golden Cashel County Tipperary, and your code there, John, on E25 RP20, and that's on Wednesday, the 28th of September, from 10 o'clock to 3 o'clock. So that should be very interesting for farmers that are now thinking of, sort of going to organic farming, um, and, and, and there'll be uh, a lot of information given out on that day, John. You have uh, some very brief details regarding a health and safety course on Inclonic Kilty. Yeah, look, there'll be a health and safety course, and look, so this this course is, is, is suitable for... A lot of farmers that are going into Thames and they have for grant purposes there. So there's, that course is on in Clannacilty College from 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock on Wednesday the 7th of October. So that's not far away. And so look, farmers that want more information on that or want to book into that course, maybe to give us a ring here in the Chambers Office McCroom at 026-41604. So that's Wednesday the 7th from 2 to 5 in, in, in the Chambers Advisory in, in Clannacilty. For beef farmers, there are a lot of schemes on at present. One of the schemes is the Beep S scheme. There are some important deadlines coming up shortly too. Can you outline some of these details and comment on the Beep S scheme? Yeah, I suppose, look, the, 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 that Beep scheme, that Beef Environmental Efficiency Programme, I suppose there is an important date coming up there that for, for people that have selected the faecal uh, sampling, the dome sampling, um, that, that which check in, check, to check the cows for fluke. So you have until now, uh, until the 3rd of October, so that's not far away, to get those samples into a department-approved lab. So that's coming up shortly, so don't delay and get that job done um, if you haven't already done so. As well as that, John, I suppose, look, the, for farmers in the beef scheme, uh, they're, the, the cows and so the cows and the calves must be weighed. Um, the unweaned calves and the cows must be weighed on the same day, uh, and those weights have to be sent in either online or can be sent with a weight form um, that has to go into ICBF within seven days of the weighing being done. So look, um, that's you, you have a little bit of time there that has to be done before the 1st of November. So, um. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. That, that's not a very far away either. So get that job done. Um, now is the ideal time to do that, if not already done. Uh, and also look, just keep in mind with, with the meal feeding option there, for in that same scheme, there's a meal feeding option, and the, fa- the the calves need to be fed four weeks pre-weaning and, and up to two weeks post-weaning. So um, make sure you have the the, the, the calves are being uh, fed that ration um, for the appropriate time, and keep keep those dockets, um, those invoices. You may need them in the future. Dairy calf to beef scheme that's also ongoing this year. What did this scheme entail for farmers, and are there any important deadlines for farmers coming up soon for this scheme, the dairy calf to beef scheme? Yeah, another scheme that's there. And look, I, I thought this is aimed at, 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 at calves coming from the dairy herd. Uh, as a, it's a simple option, just uh, weighing those weighing those animals, and they have to weigh it after they're twelve weeks old. So spring-born animals, they're all over twelve weeks old at this stage. Uh, you must weigh those again. You you can use your own scales or borrow the scales or rent the scales, but that's the scales has to be registered with ICBF. And after you weigh them, uh, you have to send those weights either online or using the weight form into ICBF within seven days of, of doing that weighing. Uh, and that weight, uh, all those weights must be gone into the to, to, to ICBF before the 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 thirty for for the first of November. Um, so that's not too far away either. So get get that done, that weighing done as soon as possible. The grass situation on farms, grass. Can you give us an update on the grass situation on farms at present, Anthony? Yeah, look, uh, I suppose autumn is, is the is the starting point, uh, as far for, for, of, of the grassland year and the management and decisions that you're going to make this autumn will have a direct effect on, on the quality and the availability of grass next spring. So now now it's time to start. And look, I suppose we had a. Uh, grass supplies on farms are variable around the county. Um, grass growth, grass was uh, was restricted there to different, to various degrees uh, in in the county due to soil moisture deficits. Um, we we had a, a very dry Australia uh, in August, so it affected some parts more than, more than others. But as also with recent rainfall and with the high soil temperatures that we have, which are up to two degrees above normal. Um, the soil temperatures. This enabled us as grass to recover, and recovery um, has been ha- has been strong and has continued to, to, to recover recover well at the moment. Um, the figures we have from pasture base, I suppose, show that uh, for both dairy farms and for dry stock farms, um, that that look between uh, that, that that there's been three days more grass um, uh, uh, per life than over, over time over this time last week. So grass growth is recovering very well and it's continue to build those grass covers um, over the next couple of weeks. Um, I suppose with the recent rain and, and, and with the, the, the wet weather that, that, that has come, um, I suppose it has helped 
um, grass growth, and grass growth is predicted to be 45 to, to, to 60 kilograms um, in, in, in the week in the week ahead. Um, that's that's going to help. And as I continue to, 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 to allow those grass covers to build further into the autumn, we want to get up to 30 days ahead um, by, by, by early October, um, which will help bank up the grass supplies well into the tail end of the year, the, the tail end of the blazing year. Um, I suppose where grass supply is limited, and look, some parts of the country are, are worse than ours, but where the limited us as options of reducing that demand um, could be things like selling selling culls or culling stock that, um, that, that, that remain on farm or selling stores or reducing other stock and look, keep the supplementation, the ration in uh, if needed on farms. So uh, as September progresses, uh, it, it, it's also time to think about, look, how we're going to close up the, 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 the ground for, 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 the, for the winter. So staff grazing the fields in rotation uh, in which you intend to close them, especially for those paddocks as these fields that you're going to close first. So look, uh, getting an autumn grazing plan together there and thinking about what fields you want to close up and where do you want to close up first. Um, that, that, that's the situation on the grass at the moment, John. Finally, turning to sheep flock owners. Before rams are turned out to yews, there are some important checks farmers should carry out around this time of the year. You know, before rams are turned out to yews, can you outline what farmers should be looking for in yews and rams before the rams are turned out to the yews? Yeah, I suppose. Look, for sheep farmers, it's an important time of the year coming up, and so checking the old flock and checking your rams is a very useful um, project to carry, to, 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 to carry out this time of the year. I suppose firstly with the yews, look, problem yews should be uh, removed prior to turning in the rams. I suppose spending some time checking those yews will, will definitely be rewarded um, in, in reduced problems next spring. So checking their mouths, checking the others, checking their legs, assessing body condition um, will invariably identify yews that they will need to be culled. Uh, and taking those, uh, calling, calling those yews is one way of improving flock performance and will reduce down the workload that you will have next, 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 next spring. I suppose also important to check the, the rams, I, I suppose, and, 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 and I suppose pay, pay close attention to the, the physical soundness of the ram and any other health issues that, 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 that the ram may have, especially looking out for signs of infection or signs of lameness. Um, because look, I suppose if the temperature rises in the ram, this could lead to ram infertility. Um, when the infection rises, this could have a problem for, 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 the, for the sperm and would likely cause ram fertility for a period for up to six to seven weeks. So it is important to check those rams um, and, and go through the yews at this time of the year, um, which will reduce down problems for your next this autumn and definitely reduce down the workload next spring, John. Important to bear in mind. Thank you very much indeed, Miss Rancy Deneen, Chagask Dry Stock Advisor with the McCroom Office of Chagask in the best of the county. Thank you, Anthony, very much indeed. Thanks a million. Thanks, Todd. The Irish Farmers Journal commissioned IFAC to carry out independent research amongst the Irish Farmers Journal's database of subscribers and print readers regarding farmers' attitude. The research was independently verified and analysed by IFAC, a professional services firm focused on farming, food and agribusiness. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme to look at some of the key findings, Mr Pat O'Toole, political correspondent, Irish Farmers Journal, speaking to us from the ploughing 2022. Pat, in terms of political outlook, what did this survey indicate amongst Irish farmers? Yeah, in terms of party politics, it's steady as she goes. So we've uh, surveyed 1,800 farmers from within the Farmers Journal database, which is quite extensive. 
And that's cross-reference to make sure that we're, whether it's geography or sector or farm size, that it's representative of the, you know, the structure of farming in Ireland. So it's, it's a very representative uh, poll. And um, what it's found is that the two uh, main government parties, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, are holding steady. Uh, we last did a survey in June and Fine Gael were at uh, 37%. Fianna Fáil were at 23%. Uh, combined 60% for the two government parties. Now, that w- represented a, a, a drop in the Fine Gael vote and it had been dropping for some time. They've been in government for over a decade now. Um, but they've arrested that slide there. Uh, the poll we conducted here uh, shows them uh, it's holding identically. Fine Gael 37, Fianna Fáil 23, the combined government parties at 60% among farmers. Uh, Sinn Féin will be disappointed because they have been increasing their vote, but it slid back this time. They're at 13%. Um, and I suppose the third grouping who, are, in terms of a voter popularity among farmers, is actually independent. Uh, and of course, rural Ireland is littered with independent TDs. <clears throat> there are 22, I think, in the Dáil at the moment. Um, the majority of them are from rural Ireland, and most of them will be regarded as, uh, I suppose, traditional uh, and pro-farming, uh, pro pro, pro-rural Ireland. People like the Healy Rays, uh, like Matthew McGrath, Richard O'Donoghue, Michael Collins. But when you put all those together, they're at 19%. Yeah, I suppose farmers are conservative uh, in terms of their political uh, affiliations and uh, the government who are struggling in the polls nationally will probably be hardened to some degree by the fact that their farming vote is holding up. Now, the Minister for Agriculture, regarding approval ratings for the Minister of Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, have they been showing signs of improving or going the other way? Good news for Charlie McConnell himself. I suppose he's had a tough 12 months uh, up to last June because we had all those set pieces in terms of the uh, cap reform, which was divisive, and every decision he made, while it pleased some farmers, would anger others. Uh, you had the nitrates directive, and then the third big piece, of course, the climate action plan uh, and the sectoral targets for um, for farming, uh, which finally were agreed uh, towards the end of the summer. So. Uh, that's a lot of machinery to put in place, which will last the next decade, really. Uh, and uh, Charlie McConnell's approval ratings were in the low 20s the last time we polled. They've improved now. 30% of farmers approve of his performance, 31% dissatisfied, with about 40% of farmers, uh, you know, neutral uh, and, and rating him neither positively nor negatively. And it, that's a 9% improvement. Uh, for the minister, and I think he'd be quite happy with that. Just one in three of those surveyed were actually happy with the performance of the farm organisations, IFA, ICMSA, ICSA and MACRA. So just one in three happy with the work being done by the, I would say, very hard-working farm organisations. That's right, John, and there's a close correlation between the approval rating for the minister and the dissatisfaction rating with the minister and the, and, and the parallel uh, ratings of the performance of the farm organisations collectively. About 40% of farmers dissatisfied with the farm organisations, uh, about 32% supportive, and then uh, you know the other third in the middle, neither positive nor negative. And again, it comes back to the fact that we've had a lot of divisive issues. There's been a lot of pressure to 
um, compromise and reach agreement on sectoral targets and on cap reform and the nature of supports for farming. Uh, so, you know, farmers may be disappointed with the outcome of those negotiations, but uh, thankfully they're over now. And I think we're moving past that phase of where the conversation is about where the targets will land. And we're now at the uh, stage where we decide how we reach those targets and we get them to work. And I think farmers are better at that. I think farmers are good at uh, knuckling down and doing what needs to be done. And they will rise to the challenge of meeting our sectoral targets, I have no doubt, but they're not happy about it. Well, you know how savagely cattle farmers are trying to resist any force cut in numbers. But in actual fact, as things are working out, the report, the IFAC report, Irish Farmers Journal report, shows one third of farmers have actually cut stock numbers. That's correct. And it's more pronounced among dry stock farmers. Um, the economics of dairy farming have been exceptional this year. And uh, so much lower cuts, uh, about one in four dairy farmers has cut numbers overall, whereas over one in three, 36% of cattle farmers, 37% of sheep farmers have cut. And one of the reasons that that has happened is because uh, prices for cullios or cold cows have been exceptional this year. And it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to maybe bring in a younger stock uh, with better genetics, which is one of the... Uh, measures that's being uh, advocated to uh, improve the carbon footprint of farming and the environmental footprint of farming. So the relative efficiency of younger animals with, with better genetics may be a driver in these cuts. The other big driver, of course, is costs, the cost of inputs, especially fertiliser, uh, feed and fuel has driven farmers to rationalise. Well, the high cost of fertiliser goes up a bit and down a bit. So three in four farmers have cut usage of fertiliser. Is that attributable to the supply or, you know, cutting fertiliser, they're going to get on without it? Yeah, well, it's, it's price. <laughs> availability uh, was less a factor, although there were concerns around availability. There are even more concerns around availability for next year than there were for this year because uh, if we were to be having this conversation this time last year, uh, fertiliser was starting to get very expensive and futures prices were a concern. But uh, a lot of fertiliser for 2022 had been produced and the pipelines were operating normally, uh, gas was freely available, although expensive. That's all changed now. We've had a war for six months. Uh, there's no sign of it ending and there's huge tensions and we're seeing commodities... Um, yo-yoing up and down but from a very high base and uh, it's unlikely that fertiliser will be particularly cheap for the next six months and that will affect farmers' decisions. Are farmers forward buying fertiliser at all? Is it that sophisticated? Are they forward buying fertiliser? Where they have cash, some farmers are, especially dairy farmers, are forward buying uh, but I think all farmers are sharing common concern. 96% of farmers have concerns around their income going forward because we know costs will still be very high. We've had an exceptional this year in terms of price. Uh, we've seen the price for milk go from uh, $0.35 cent to, to the mid-50s, like a $0.20 cent per litre increase in milk price in 12 months. It's absolutely unprecedented. And uh, the danger is that the cost will stay high, but that the prices will come back because we're seeing resistance from consumers now, just inability to pay because everything is expensive and food being more expensive, 
consumers are starting to make, not just in Ireland, but all over the world, consumers are starting to make choices around how much food they purchase and, and uh, you know, what foods they purchase. So price is a factor in, in the supermarket for the first time in a generation. And overall, therefore, 96% of farmers would be expressing concerns over profitability in the IFAC Irish Farmers Journal findings. That's right. And, that you know, that's understandable. Um, it's going to be a winter that will test everybody's nerve, uh, farmers among them. And the level of concern is justified by the macro politics, I suppose, that we're looking at at the moment, just being a big drive. Most of the government have passed through the site here in Ratanisco over the last three days, and they have been making commitments towards the budget around support for farmers' energy costs. What that materialises into next week, we have to wait and see, but I think that it's fair to say that even if there is a support package in place, concerns will remain because of the uncertainty around price, both of inputs and of farm produce. The recent experience of farmers when the price for milk went up, it would appear dairy farmers are now overall very sceptical about fixed milk price. Yeah, simply because of the volatility. Like I said, you know, we've seen <coughs> fixed milk uh, price schemes, uh, you know, running within three or four cent of each other over a six-year period, whereas uh, the, the price which was fixed, say, this time last year of 32 cent a litre, um, compared to the price that's available at present, which is, you know, north of 55 with a lot of the co-ops. Um, it, it has made uh, those kind of long-term commitments uh, very difficult, very difficult. And the other side of it is that, uh, you know, the input prices that are there at the moment mean that if you were selling either grain or milk forward, you would need a very high price to justify the expenditure on your inputs. So you're either gambling on buying inputs more cheaply in the future or being able to have really good weather where you can minimise uh, the, the volumes you're using and, you know, a, a low-cost year. Uh, or you're going to produce at a loss if you fix. So there's not much appetite for fixing. But having said that, this is a temporary phase we're going through. Uh, the uh, markets will have to find some level uh, of a new normal in the near future. And when that happens, uh, you would expect to see uh, a high proportion of farmers return to fixing uh, uh, their, their grain and their milk going forward because it is an anti-volatility measure. It is a de-risk mater- uh, or instrument. The problem is that it, it's become risky right now. Just 28% of farmers are planning on applying for acres. Now, frequently you've spoken on the farm programme and said that even the gold standard of environmental schemes, the original REP scheme, when that came out, there was great scepticism. But all these um, schemes, they seem to be fully subscribed in the end, apart from one or two exceptions. But generally speaking, the acres, that's a scheme that people are very unsure about. Yeah, farmers are quite negative to acres. Crucially and worryingly, uh, farm advisors, both Chagas planners and independent advisors, are also negative towards acres in terms of what they can find for their uh, for their clients that will justify involvement in acres. And there's real concern at present, um, especially for 
the uh, the general scheme as opposed to the one for those farmers uh, in Commonage. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how that rolls out. But right now, uh, the mood around acres is quite negative, and you would say that we're going to need to see uh, some movement for it to uh, get the uptake of 50,000 farmers. Regarding fodder, your survey shows that 50% of farmers, of the people who responded to your inquiry, 50% had completed fodder budgets ahead of winter. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, that's prudent at any time, but especially now with uh, uh, the pressures that we've had, especially around, uh, around growing conditions in the south and east, um, there's an abundance of feed in the north and west of the country and there's been phenomenal grazing conditions. It's been a, the best year in living memory for cattle, uh, dairy and sheep farmers uh, in the, the western half of the country and the northern half of the country. But for the south and east, it's been quite challenging. So um, there, there are concerns. A lot of farmers, one, about one in three farmers are reporting uh, probable shortages in, in feed at this stage. Now, there's still a few weeks to go, and, you know, if we can get a good grazing back end uh, like we had in 2018, that will allay concerns. But as things stand right now, uh, there are regional issues uh, in terms of uh, feed budgets. On what date is this report being published in the journal? Yeah, it's out in today's paper, John. Uh, So uh, there's uh, four pages of coverage in today's paper. Uh, So... uh, as I'm talking to you here from the tail end of the ploughing, uh, so uh, farmers can, can pick up all, all this information. And then there's even more uh, coverage of the survey on our website. And Pat, if you had to sum up in a couple of words uh, this year's ploughing back after several years, do you feel that it's uh, back to its old vibrancy with uh, thousands and thousands of people coming, even despite the shower we had there earlier on today? Yeah, we had a wet morning and a wet lunchtime, but we had 70,000 people on site today, despite the weather warnings. Uh, makes for a total of 277,000 over the three days. Uh, that compares with Garth Brooks. Um, he, I think Garth had five nights in Crook Park for 420,000 people. So uh, the plan is absolutely back with a bang, um, as big and as bold as ever. And uh, people in great form, uh, the social event of the year for rural Ireland without doubt. And, of course, uh, legendary Anna Mae McHugh still out there very strongly pushing the national ploughing event. Front and centre. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Pat O'Toole, political correspondent, Irish Farmers Girl. Thank you, Pat, very much indeed. Thanks a million. You're very welcome, John. Take care. And that's Farm Talk for now. I'm John O'Connor. Thanks to Barry O'Mahony, news editor, 96.3 FM News, and Marie Tuig, 96.3 FM News reporter, for contributing to our programme again this week. A very special thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.